you have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Yeah, home. And hello once again, Aaron Schlein here, and welcome to part two of episode number 13 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. Coming right up, we've got the second half of my chat with Reiner Jens, the president and founder of the Family Travel Association. But real quick, just wanted to mention the Dramatic Travels Family Facebook group. We are a community of inspiring and aspiring family travelers, and it's my goal to bring us all together to offer a supportive community of family travelers and a comprehensive collection of just quality family travel resources. So please join us, my friend. It's absolutely free. You can find out more by going to DramaticTravels.com right at the top of the homepage. Click on the yellow banner. We'll take you straight to our Facebook group. Join us. We'd love to have you. All right, my friend. Here it is, my interview with Reiner Jens of the Family Travel Association, part deux. Enjoy. Reiner, if I was a travel brand and I come to the FTA and as a potential member, what 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 benefits does the FTA offer me as a travel brand? Well, ultimately, uh, what an association is meant to do, um, any association really, uh, brings together a group of individuals or people or combination of thereof and um, really with, with one kind of guiding goal and mission uh, and uh, so you're really, whether you're a brand or, or an individual, you know, you're buying into a membership with a, a purpose and that your participation in, in that organization will help achieve that purpose. Uh, so with a travel brand, uh, you know, besides kind of helping support some of the things that the FTA is doing in terms of advocacy and you know, things that go beyond any kind of ROI, uh, really it's about access. Um, and, and making connections, connecting brands with travel agents who are looking for ideas and, and opportunities and possibilities to again kind of sell to their their clients and their families. Um, we are connecting the media. Uh, you know, I mentioned some of these uh, these tour operators. Uh, you know, we want to get the media on some of those trips so that they can write about them. Uh, so that the brand, again, whether it's a tour operator like Kids Sea Camp or even if it's uh, Adventures by Disney, you know, they're running new trips and tours. I mean, river cruising has started to take off for families. And um, Emma Waterways is a new member. And they, they want families to, you know, experience this kind of relatively new product that, that's now gearing uh, and being more tailored towards, towards kids. You know, people got to got to hear about it. So we want our media uh, to make those connections. So it's really about making connections uh, with travel agents, with the media, so that ultimately more families learn about them. That, that's the ultimate goal. So it's, it's those connections. You mentioned advocacy and, and advocacy benefits everyone on both sides, the consumer side and the brand side. What are, what are some of the programs, your outreach and your advocacy programs that you've got working right now? Yeah. Well, the big one, uh, and there's still... It's still not fully resolved, but uh, almost two years ago now, it's crazy. Um, two congressmen uh, approached us and wanted, wanted our help in getting public interest and support for the Families Flying Together Act. 
Uh, and this is pretty simple. And as the name suggests, uh, you know, these legislators felt it's important and, and parents' right, really, to be able to sit next to their kids on a flight without having to pay a premium or without being separated altogether from a really young child. And there have been, you know, hundreds of these uh, cases where, you know, parents are on a flight and or boarding a, a plane and they're, they're separated from their kids and the flight attendant says, hey, you know, you'll just have to ask fellow passengers to switch seats. And in many cases, they don't do it. So anyway, um, the as part of the FAA Reappropriations Act, uh, there is a Family Fine Together uh, Act that is going to um, make sure that airlines uh, do not charge a premium and guarantee that that families with children under 13 traveling together are seated together. But look, this is a big issue, and, and, and families have all sorts of challenges that other travelers, you know, non-family travelers don't have, uh, you, you know, when it comes to sitting together on a plane, when it comes to, you know, getting car seats and all kinds of accessories when they travel. Um, and there's a lot to do. There's a lot of anxiety, um, particularly when the kids are younger. And so, uh, you know, we're also really working with these brands, with our, with our partners to you know, ensure that uh, they are taken care of, um, but that also the communications are there so that parents know that they have access to these things and, and they could be less concerned or one less headache resolved uh, when they plan these things. Because believe me, there's a lot of there's a lot of barriers to entry when it comes to traveling with your kids. You know, some parents will say, hey, I don't want to deal with all this and the heck with it. We're just going to stay home and, you know, visit a local park, uh, which is also OK. But uh, I think, you know, a lot of companies are starting to really adapt their products for families. One in particular, uh, Intrepid. Uh, they're a, a, a tour operator out of Australia. They, they go all around the, all around the world. Um, and they have now set up tours for single parent families. Um, and, and, you know, there's this single supplement. Don't want to get into all the, all the details of sometimes the challenges of traveling alone or as a single parent, but that's been addressed. And, uh, the fact that there are different needs and challenges for single parents, a, a tour operator has actually addressed that and now created product just for them. Uh, LGBT families have um, uh, special interests and needs that, that the travel industry is starting to adapt to. Uh, never mind kids with autism and, and some of those things. You know, Legoland has this whole new thing. Actually, airlines and airports are allowing children with autism to go and kind of do a, a dry run, a, a test run to make sure that they're comfortable with the process so that the parents feel more assured that when it's time for the real thing, uh, that, you know, they won't freak out. So a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that, that, um, we're thrilled is happening, but you know, we, there, there, there's a lot, there's a lot still to overcome. And, and that's part of what we're working on. That really is remarkable. And it, it just really makes me grateful for the time we live in that, but the, the the level of communication that can occur because of the technology that the advocate, the advocacy groups exist for single parents, for parents of children with, with autism, et cetera, to have their voices heard. And then the market has to respond. I mean, then that's a you know market. Ultimately, it's a market correction. These are for-profit businesses, but without that give and take and the advocacy on one side and then the market response on the other and the FTA kind of being right there in the mix, it's just so wonderful that that can happen and that you and I can sit here and talk about it and these corrections can happen relatively quickly uh, and to to meet the market needs and the needs of parents and travelers everywhere. It's so cool. Yeah, and I, I tell you one thing. This seems so logical and 
simple, but uh, it, it's amazing that it doesn't always kind of work out that way that, you know, if, 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 if your family, you're almost forced, depending, you know, if, once the kids get off to school, that you're, you've got windows uh, in which you can travel. Summer, obviously, you know, is, is the biggest one, but spring break can be a mad rush for a lot of families, you know, looking to escape the winters of the Northeast, et cetera. Uh, you know, winter holiday, et cetera. That's when airline prices really spike and travel, you know, becomes, um, you know, real heavy during those periods. If, if you don't have children of school age, I don't know why someone would travel in July and August, never mind, <laughs> even June. Like, all right, non-families, you're not allowed to travel. I, that's what I would say. No, no travel for anyone without kids between June and the end of August. Uh, because look, that's that's the mad rush. And, and honestly, if, if you're not traveling with kids, heck, go in September and May to places like Europe or anywhere that, A, the weather's better and the prices are much more reasonable and, and they're less crowded. Uh, but, you know, that's another, you know, big challenge. And, and it, it becomes a challenge for non-families is that, you know, these, these uh, you know, kind of peak periods um, cause over, you know, overcrowded conditions. I mean, in, in some cases, there's not enough supply. I mean, we'd love to see more families going to the Galapagos, but some of these ships can hold more kids. I mean, they're, you know, <laughs> uh, if the demand really went up the way we'd like to see it, uh, again, because of these school breaks, those, those windows on when they can travel are pretty small and c- could be a, a, a tough strain on, on those suppliers. So uh, anyway, that I've got plenty of members of the association who'd love to kind of stagger breaks throughout the year for schools and you know, find some magic bullet that would allow and enable families to travel during these kind of non-peak times. And, and that would be wonderful. And look, we even endorse to a degree traveling with your children and taking them out of school, you know, particularly when they're in, in grade school as opposed to high school necessarily. But, you know, if, it, if it's meaningful and enriching and transformational travel, that's better. You know, being on the road like that with your with your family is a week well spent outside the classroom. They'll be doing, they'll learn a lot more. Have there been any efforts to, to actually get the schools, get schools on board for something like that? Cause I love, I love that in concept, but I also know that schools are very protective over making sure the kids oh, are in yeah. the classroom to get, so they can get paid. That's going to be a long term uh, process. I think for us, cause that, yeah, that's a very tough nut to crack. I mean, there certainly are individual teachers and even some school districts that will, support um, and not frown on or punish parents for taking their kids out of school to travel. But to institutionalize that on a, on a regional or certainly national level, uh, that, that's going to be a, a, a tough one because of all the you know, requirements now that teachers have in terms of making sure XYZ gets taught. And uh, yeah, that, that, that will be a tough one. Um, but we are happy to send parents permission slips there you go. Uh, we'll sign it, endorse them. So if they want to say, "Hey, you know, my kid uh, missed school because of X, Y, Z," and the FTA has listed ten benefits for us having taken that trip with our kids, happy to happy to send them that. Well, maybe we could get those uh, those two congressmen to, to you know do a little tit for tat and and help sign <laughs> help sign those permission slips. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Hey, there, there'll be more than two, but. All right, Reiner, I'm going to step aside for just a minute and we're going to thank our nonprofit partner and we're going to be right back and you're going to give us some rapid fire answers to some rapid fire travel questions. Stay with us. 
every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of where they come from or how much money they have. I believe this to be true, and so does Flight. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. Flight was founded in 2015 by travel author and blogger Matthew Kepnes, better known as Nomadic Matt. Since 2015, Flight has sent three groups of students to Mexico, Cuba, and Ecuador, and they're in the process of selecting their next school partner for a trip this coming summer. Flight was built with the support of donors who believe that travel can positively change the trajectory of one's life and create more well-informed global citizens. I encourage you to visit DramaticTravels.com slash flight. There you'll find links to join the flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. Now, flight is spelled F-L-Y-T-E. So that address again on the web is DramaticTravels.com slash flight. Dramatic Travels family, we are back with Reiner Jens and my friends, it's time to turn up those earbuds because Reiner is going to be sharing some travel knowledge that you're not going to want to miss. Reiner, tell us how do you best capture your travel memories and give us a tip about how to use that method effectively. Well, I uh, almost hate to admit it as a uh, kind of advanced amateur photographer, I used to lug around my uh, Nikon and all the gear and the lenses and, and the whole bit. And uh, with with only a few exceptions, places like Africa or places with particularly challenging light conditions, I now rely on my iPhone. That is my uh, that's my camera. That's my my video camera as well. Uh, you know the the quality of them is is really good. Uh, I use that. I use the editing, so uh, the the quality is pretty good, and you can do some really good you know editing on those. And uh, look, I I share them with Facebook uh, through my friends, as most do. Uh, but then, look, I'm still writing stories every now and then, although I don't have my own blog anymore, don't blog for National Geographic. Uh, I do get content out there on behalf of some of our members and do some writing for the FTA and, and some other outlets. So uh, I've got the good fortune of, of having that channel of distribution. But yeah, you know what? That iPhone will, and, and Android, I understand they got pretty good cameras that the Samsung does. So uh, I think that, could, that should do the trick. And, and you know what? The biggest benefit to that is it's light. You don't have to carry around extra gear. And no doubt about it. So you talk about travel writing and that might be, I feel like that's something that a lot of people may want to do. The idea of journaling or writing up a trip. Do you have any just quick pro tips on writing up a trip and keeping a journal? Yeah. Uh, two things. One, keep it personal, keep it about yourself. Uh, you know, it, it, it really, when I did it, uh, I, felt uh, you know, a certain sense of responsibility, uh, the fact that I was doing it for National Geographic and its audience, and, and with that comes uh, obviously some, some bigger weight. Uh, but if you're, having, if you're doing your own personal blog um, and you, know, you don't have a particularly global or uh, you know, huge audience, it's all about yourself, but don't let it um, influence what you do. I mean, I think there are some people who will travel for the story. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll They'll try to do something or they'll, they'll approach an experience for the sake of having it be interesting in terms of a story or content. I mean, you can get pretty consumed by, by this and uh, you don't want to have it shape or influence you too much where you're just kind of out there trying to get a story as opposed to, you know, experience the things on your own terms and having it come more naturally or organically. I hope that makes sense. But 
that makes a lot uh, of sense. And that's, that's very insightful. Cause I know I've been guilty of that, of, you know, occasionally, you know, pushing something a little further than I would just, just for the, for the photo or just for the story. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's being authentic and organic is, is, is definitely a, yeah. a better way to go. I mean, look, there's no question that, uh, and I, and I am guilty as charged, uh, on, on, on several occasions, but you know, people are kind of going for that photo or for that image to send back to their friends so they could say they've been there or they've done that. And, you know, when you're, when you're trying to capture that image or when you're focused and fixated on that, you can miss the whole experience. <laughs> well, and it's, and you know, some- uh, that, you know, if you're out, um, you know, safari, you know, I mentioned safari, uh, you know, I, I remember we went on a few game drives. I didn't even bring my camera. That was very difficult, but you know, that, that just enabled you to kind of just enjoy the experience for what it is. And it's, you know, it's easy to lose sight of, uh, of that connection of that present moment. If you're out there just, you know, worried about the aperture and your camera and your lenses, you know, you're thinking technically, not emotionally or, or organically. So don't just go for the story. Don't just go for the shot. Agreed. And I, one thing I'm working on is if I'm going to share the story, at least sharing the whole story, because I came back from a trip last week into Yosemite and I was looking back through my Instagram feed and it was just happy, 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 happy. And there, we don't get me wrong, tons of happy times, but we also had some rough times. Our kids had a couple of moments and I was like, you know what? This, I felt, it, fe- it felt inauthentic to just put this whole, everything's unicorns and rainbows when it wasn't. So when I got home, I wrote a blog post about some of the things that weren't in the Instagram feed to just kind of round it out, you know, round out the authenticity of that trip. Like my life isn't perfect, even though maybe my Instagram feed may suggest that it is, it's far from perfect. And, and a lot of trips aren't perfect either. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, you don't see too many Facebook posts or, uh, stories about things that go wrong, but, uh, maybe I'll try that. You know, actually my friends are always uh, probably, probably a little annoyed about like all the places I travel to, you know, pretty constantly. And, uh, I, th- I think, you know, what? thank you. I think for the next one, I'm just going to post something that is unpleasant and see what kind of reaction I get. Cause I, <laughs> that, that's the honest side. That's the flip side of travel. It, that, those things happen too. Um, you might be surprised. I mean, it's so, it's so, hu- <laughs> it's so humanizing. Yeah. And uh, I'd love that. So Reiner, tell us about a specific lesson or a specific skill that you've learned in your travels that helps you navigate everyday life? Uh, well, you know, it's come up a couple of times already in our conversation that is, you know, networking, talking to people, you know, getting yourself out there, uh, during our around the world trip, uh, we just so happened by, by real luck and, and happenstance to be staying in uh, Hobart, Australia, uh, at the very end and conclusion of the Sydney Hobart yacht race, which, uh, happens every, every winter between Christmas and New Year's. And we're out to dinner one night in the Harbor. Uh, and as it turned out, sitting next to a pretty ruckus table of about, I don't know, a dozen to 20 people who were all wearing windbreakers who clearly were part of this race. Uh, and I, I said to my boys, I'm like, Hey guys, listen, go up and, you know, ask those guys if they were in the race, how they do, you know, cause I'm always encouraging them to strike up some conversation, talk to the locals, you know, engage with, uh, you know, where you are and who you're with. And they were reluctant this time. They said, dad, come on. You're always asking us to do that. So no, no, just do it. Come on. It'd be interesting. And so they, they approached these two guys that we're sitting next to and they start getting into this long conversation. And, uh, the guys seemed to be really interested in our kids. So I walk over and we, we end up, uh, we, we find out that they had picked Mark Richards, who was the captain of the winning boat. 
And Bob Oatley, who was the owner of Wild Oats, which was the winner of that year's race. And Bob Oatley, in fact, uh, was one of the richest men in all of Australia. And these are the two guys that my boys happened to go up to and strike a conversation with. And uh, anyway, next day, these guys were in the papers and all over the media. And my kids were pretty, uh, were pretty awestruck after the fact. But anyway, the, the point is, like, look, you never know, you know, right, who, you, who you'll meet, what kind of stories uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear, and what kind of inspiration might come out of these encounters. And I, you know, certainly for me, and hopefully for my kids, they, the lesson learned is that, you know, engaging in conversation, real life engagement, as opposed to just digital and, you know, online communication is, is really a, a, a great foot forward in, in anything you do. Without question. And you know, it kind of makes your head spin when you think about the potential missed opportunities that have occurred over all of our lives for that one time when we didn't say hello to, to the guy sitting next to us in the elevator or the woman sitting next to us on the plane. You know, that's a lot of missed opportunities. So excellent, excellent takeaway there, Reiner. Appreciate that story. Yeah. Great story, by the way, too. So, Reiner, you seem like a pretty well-read dude. Uh, can you tell us about a travel-related book and tell us why it's so special? Yeah, there's, uh, well, there's, there's one... Um, book that I love has been, and I've reread it actually more than once, um, The Alchemist. It's kind of the, uh, the ultimate, you know, travel story of, of someone who's seeking and for, for understanding and, and for personal meaning, um, and not being satisfied and content. He travels really the world, or at least in this case, I think he ends up in, in Egypt. And, uh, the lesson that he learns ultimately that, uh, you could travel everywhere and, and experience the world and seek and explore, but ultimately the answers are inside. I mean, there's so many stories that have, that use that metaphor, you know, or, or that, that truism that, uh, you know, that, that it is all in, in, inside and internal. The alchemist really presents that in a, in a compelling way, but you know, look why that's relevant for travel. Um, you know, I keep kind of going back to it, but, the idea that travel is transformational, not just recreational. Um, you know, it, it is a way, it is a doorway and a gateway to this understanding, this self exploration, as opposed to just global and external exploration. Um, and I think understanding though, that, you know, no one place is going to be the answer, you know, going somewhere and traveling and escaping isn't necessarily going to solve your problems. You know, it, it is still, the answers are all inside. Um, and I think just, uh, you know, travel still has a, you know, incredible way of enriching that, but the alchemist is a, is a terrific book for those seekers amongst us and I, and those explorers, I think we're, we all probably fall in that category. Well, and thank goodness that one trip can't solve all those problems. Cause we want to keep going back, man. That's, <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that's so true. And that's something that really, uh, that, that comes with perspective that comes over time. That idea that you're never, you're never going to get to that, that happy point if, you know, I know a lot of people, especially when you're younger, where you're like, oh, once I just graduate college or once I find that job or once I get my own house or once I get married, there's always that when I, when I, when I, then I'll be happy. You know, you, you gotta, we're always seeking. It's never going to happen. And quite frankly, I don't want it to happen. I want to keep seeking. Yeah. And look, and it's a great point. And look, for Californians who are surrounded by sunshine all the time, that's a tough place to leave. Uh, but you know, I think a destination in and of itself is not going to provide you with an answer, is not going to be the answer to that, that question. Again, I, I think 
exploring the world and traveling and learning from it is a way it's enrichment. It, it, it's not a solution uh, to one's personal quests. You know, that, um, that, that, that needs to be kind of that, that, that comes that's always there. That's, that's on the inside travel will enrich yeah. and enhance. When travel is transformational, not just recreational, is that a trademark slogan? Because <laughs> I think I'm gonna, uh, I think I, we're gonna use that for the name of this episode. I, it's perfect. I, I'm happy to share. Okay, that I'm sure I heard it somewhere, but I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I love it. Yeah, I always love. Look, it's all about meaning too. You know, the one, one quick thing, if I may add, you sure. know, the, one of the buzzwords in the travel industry is experiential travel. And I'd say, look, you know, every trip is experiential in some way. I, I think the more appropriate word and and. Jack Ezon, who's a, a prominent travel agent here in New York, uh, is the one who kind of came up with this. But uh, it's really about meaningful travel. And I think people are really seeking that, that it's meaningful in some way. Um, and that's what experiences provide. You know, they, they provide meaning. They can provide meaning. It's, it's the gateway to meaning. Uh, I, I think that's what, what, what people are really seeking in authenticity and, and things like that. You know, that, that, that again, is, is a big focus for the travel industry now is to provide that those those opportunities those pathways for people to explore and gain insight and meaning into into their lives or, or the lives of others that they meet. I love it, man. I love it. It's perfect, Reiner. Before we say goodbye, I'd love for you to just share one last piece of advice for parents who are looking to inspire their children through travel but don't know where to start. Well. Uh, if you really want to just get some general ideas, uh, you know, the, the internet's a big wild world. Uh, it can be scary because you don't know what you're looking at or finding or reading, but, um, familytravel.org and familytravel.org is a, uh, a good place to kind of learn a little bit about what we're doing, but who we're working with, some of the companies out there that are involved in some of the types of trips that I described. Uh, so I think that's a, uh, a great place to start. Um, you'll also find travel agents. Um, we have a, a whole membership listing. There are, are travel agents who focus on family travel that are listed on our website. And really my advice is don't be afraid to use a travel agent. You know, these, uh, they can save parents a lot of time. They can save them a lot of money. Contrary to what a lot of people think agents actually can really save you money, not, not charge fees. I mean, they do, but the, Ultimately, those fees are are going towards services that that are that could be very time consuming for for the average parent or average person. Uh, and plus, they they can provide you with access to things that you have to work really hard to try to get on your own. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone or, or reach out and contact a travel agent. There are dozens and there are hundreds in this country that specialize and are pros on family travel that probably know a lot more than I do. But uh, I just happen to be the one uh, kind of waving the banner. I heard that the travel agents are, are making a comeback. And the, the reason I heard that in a weird context, and it was almost like it wasn't even a great thing. It was be, they, they blamed it on millennials or they said millennials are the reason because they can't do anything for themselves. And I said, well, maybe they're the smart ones who are outsourcing trip planning to professionals. And They are the smart ones. That That's an excellent point. And yes, millennials are apparently, and, and more than one research study has confirmed this, they're more likely to use a travel agent than even baby boomers. Uh, which to me was very surprising when I first heard it. But you're right; they they will do the research. Uh, they certainly know how to navigate the web and get information. But like you said, they're they're smart in the fact that hey, 
they should book it for me because when you do, if something goes wrong, you can contact a live, living, breathing person who knows you and knows your trip and knows everything about what's involved in, in correcting whatever problem or challenge there might be. Uh, good luck trying to contact Expedia or any of these OTAs that you might have booked your trip with uh, because that that's going down a very tough path in, in terms of trying to get anything done. So. Yeah, the, those millennials are onto something when it comes to using agents, and and agents are upping their game. You know, and we're trying to help them. Uh, we're educating them on again some of these uh, products and services that are now available to the parents. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great resource because, as you mentioned earlier, not everything is uh, you know rainbows and sunshine when you travel. When there are problems, and sometimes they're real problems: um, flight cancellations, issues with hotels. Something uh, you know unforeseen happening, health wise or otherwise. Um, you know those those agents are there to, to really supply supply support, so it doesn't ruin a very expensive vacation. Absolutely, and that support is key. Building that community around you of like minded folks is, is huge, and travel agents certainly fit that bill. Ryder, it's been a real pleasure, man. Where can folks go to to learn more about you if they want to? Well, again. Uh, FamilyTravel.org. Uh, pay us a visit there. Kind of see what we're doing as an industry. Uh, there's a there's a lot more to family travel, like I said, than than uh, the theme parks, all inclusives, and cruise lines. They're terrific, but uh, there's a whole big world for there to be dis- explored and discovered, particularly when it comes to family. So they have more options, not fewer. So visit us at FamilyTravel.org. All right, we'll do. Go explore that big world, my friend, and explore it with your family, Reiner. I'm going to say goodbye now. It's been a real pleasure, but have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you later. That's the plan. Hey, thanks so much. All right, my friend, that is a wrap on episode 13 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. Really hope you enjoyed my chat with Reiner Jens, president and founder of the Family Travel Association. It's time to head to DramaticTravels.com, check out the show notes, read all the blog posts, and just have a good time over there. And be sure to jump on the mailing list if you haven't already. we got some bonuses waiting for you when you do. All right, my friend, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So yes, my dear. I'm trying I'm reporting. I'm recording uh, the end to my podcast. How can I help you today, sweetie? in the bowl. You want whipped cream in a bowl. Okay, let me just do the end real quick. I'm just going to say goodbye to my my family, my Dramatic Travels family, and then I'm going to get you some whipped cream in a bowl. Deal? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. DramaticTravels.com, my friend. Have a great one. Your emotional memories, most powerful memories, so put some emotion in your motion. Right. See you later.